First Time Lord, I'm Daniel Levain, and I had never seen a single episode of Doctor Who until I relented. My friends kept asking vigorously, you must watch this, you will enjoy it. And boy, were they right. I love this show, I can't get enough of it, and we're coming right back from last week's episode, which was of course of Cliffhanger, and we're jumping right in. This week's episode is called Age of Steel, and it is the continuation of Rise of the Cybermen. So I had to bring back my host from last week so that we can talk about this cohesive two-parter. So welcome back, Eric Sweetman. Hey there. I'm glad to be back. I'm so tired. That quick run from last week to this week, it's, uh, it was tough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, it, it is it is getting tougher and tougher to put the show down and wait for the next recording because they are so good. And talking about good, if you have not seen Age of Steel or at this point Rise of Cybermen, pause the podcast, go watch those two sh- episodes, and then come back because inevitably. We are going to say things that will spoil the plot of this episode. So take the time and do that now. And thanks for coming back. So let's jump right in. Biv cliffhanger moment, uh, similar to uh, the, the the moment uh, in Series 1 where the doctor is surrounded by the mask-wearing people. Are you my mommy? Are you my mommy? Uh, mm. And uh, not unlike that moment... They get away fairly quickly and, uh, you know, not as funny, uh, not a go-to-your-room moment, uh, but definitely a very sort of, wow, that was simple. That was an easy way to get out of this. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, I, I was happy that they, because um, I had for, totally forgotten how they had gotten out. And so uh, it was fun to watch it. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, they're, they're safe. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the, the, they're always going to be safe, or seemingly that is the promise of uh, of these types of shows. Uh, and not everybody gets out alive in this episode. So let's uh, let's dive into it. In this episode, we're dealing with the fallout of ultimately what is happening in this universe. Uh, and we it is made a little bit more clear. Uh, the Doctor even discusses how the Cybermen. Uh, were different uh, when he knew them. Uh, And yet in this universe, the Cybermen are clearly created uh, in this world, which seems like it concerns him a little bit. Yeah, because the the Cybermen are, they're dangerous in general. They are are that reduction of all things that are human are removed and... It's just a it's a, a a robot that is going to assimilate or destroy whatever they can't assimilate. Um, they like like you said last week. It's a very Borg type situation, mm-hmm. um, you know. And what the Doctor sees in humanity is this beautiful variety. This uh, this wide the ability to reach great heights and unfortunately the lowest depths. That's the human race. That's the this imagination. Crazy he he even says that imagination. Yeah, yeah, you have to have imagination for 
uh, Loomis to get to this point, to be able to have all these inventions, all this stuff, whether it's the, the ear uh, pods or, or anything else that's going on in this universe that he has created, the ability to uh, extend his own life um, when his body is failing him this much and knowing he can go and live forever if he, um, you know, if he put himself into one of these machines. You know, mm-hmm. it takes imagination to get to that point. But a Cyberman doesn't have imagination, doesn't have anything about them except uh, this is what we do, this is our programming, this is our, you know, they, they're reduced from individuals into a hive mind. And it is disappointing. It is the most, the worst tragedy because they're not just taking like after uh, centuries of evolution to become something like this. It's overnight. It takes a person, you know, really just 10, 15 minutes from the uh, the look of it with all that, that crazy machine to strip yeah. away the, every element that was a person and then can their brain into this thing. And that's it. Yeah, you know, they are no longer who they were. They're no longer right. mostly. They don't know who they were. I, and I love the idea. Uh, something the doctor says pretty late in the episode, where he he addresses the idea that you know everything stops, evolution stops, everything just comes to a, to a halt, and you know that that's a terrible thing. Yeah, you may uh, live the, forever. But what are you living in? What, right. What, what is, is the there, what is the reason to wake up the next day if you have no, you know, imagination, nothing else to build to? Just now, and 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 another very sort of Borg kind of situation, um, and we see this, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but we see this in the Star Trek movie First Contact where the Borg travel back in time. And if you know anything about the Borg, they are all interconnected. They have one hive mind. And by traveling back in time, they're traveling back to a time where the Borg would be so distant that they basically create one of their own to be the the hive queen of the the Borg so that they can operate and carry out this mission. And so in I gosh, I, I am such a nerd. Uh, but in in that way, uh, we see the Cybermen uh, try to save their creator when you know one of his henchmen decides to turn against him in a very sort of uh, Frankenstein's monster kind of way. And they they save him and create him as his own versus version of an autonomous. That's not a word. Autonomon. Autonoma autonomous. That that's better. But he he is able to retain his awareness. Yeah. Well, as opposed they, to everybody else that is just allowed to, you know, basically just become a Cyberman. Yeah, he is what is called a uh, Cyberman controller. You know, that's the designation. You know, his brain is, you know, if you look at the uh, the shell, there was a, uh, like a plexiglass um, dome over his brain so you could see the brain. 
Yeah, he, you know, he was he was slightly different looking. Yeah. yeah, and he had the big chair and everything that was you know not necessarily a uh, an homage to the wheelchair that Lumic was in earlier. This chair is helpful for um, being the uh, center hub for all of the Cybermen's commands and you know what. Yeah, he's like there. interconnected. He's right. got wires coming out of him that connect him to this bigger apparatus. So it's not just a throne that he is sitting on, but an actual control device. Right. Um, yeah. Then, and his, uh, because they need, you know, the way that the Cybermen, I think they, when they became what they were, they needed something that they, uh, that wasn't programmed in originally, you know, they, the, the, their need for having, somebody be like they they want everybody to be them you know this is the upgrade mm-hmm. you know, this is mandatory or you know or compulsory but they uh, need somebody to tell them what to, to do but they weren't going to have a human a regular normal still in flesh human mm-hmm. being do that they were going to like you can be our leader but you have to be our leader on our terms you're going to which be at, at first he almost seemed to be like no 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 I'm not ready I'm not ready right, I will he, just not just yet right but that's the thing he's he because of his like he he's subjecting everybody else to what he feels like he will do at some point but not but he's yet. afraid he to. doesn't want to give up his humanity any more than anybody else does but so, he's also not given the choice any more than he's given anybody else a choice. So how are the Cybermen then different from the Dalek? Because the Dalek, certainly the the Daleks that we saw Rose uh, face off against Mm -hmm. were uh, created from genetic material of human beings. Uh, But regardless, the Dalek have always had sort of that central brain encased in this outer shell that's sort of a living cybernetic armor that mm-hmm. they possessed. So other and they clearly are soldiers. They are meant to follow orders and right. they're very intolerant and they destroy anything else um as opposed to just assimilate them so yeah, is that the only difference yeah, exterminate instead of assimilate um yeah you know really they that is the largest difference and i think it's because they are so similar in motivations and roughly in origin that that's why the you know we haven't seen them together you know these things uh you know i guess if you saw them in the same episode they would um well they they, their similarities would just they would fight each other yeah they would would be aggressive yeah um they're not like each one believes in the absolute superiority of their kind and um you know it's it's just it's just it could get ugly um, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, yeah, they, because they are so similar, you know how you get people that just rub you the wrong way, mm-hmm. you know, because you see a lot of the things that you don't like about yourself in them, that could be, you know, that's the same idea. It's like, they are so damn similar that you just, you know, they, they don't get along. And, you know, I think if you were there, why would you you know, just like back off? 
don't mm-hmm. don't interfere. <laughs> I mean, based on what we have heard the doctor say about both of these different species, mm-hmm. uh, the Dalek know nothing but hate, mm-hmm. whereas the Cybermen have no emotion. Right. That is so also the, the other big difference. You know, the the Cybermen are just basically true, you know, pseudo automatons in that. They're no longer thinking about anything um, with a with a logic uh, with an approach with anything other than logic mm-hmm. because they have no emotion, so they they don't feel anger, they don't feel hate, they don't feel you know they don't feel anything. Yeah. They uh, they just do. Yeah, exactly. Versus the Dalek, who are very much uh, creatures of hatred, creatures of destruction. Um, so I, I, I can see those as the two differences, but it, it is interesting to me because I, I, I've heard that, uh, of course, the Dalek are one of the biggest threats that the Doctor ever faces, mm-hmm. uh, but that the Cybermen were also uh, these big bad guys that the Doctor has come across and that both of them share so much because uh, the qualities are almost identical, the differences are almost semantical. Yeah. <laughs> well, and um, like in in the regular universe, you know, we don't see much of these Cybermen. You know, we saw that head, like you mentioned, back as a trophy. In, in the regular universe, uh, the implication was that you know here he saw a head, uh, but I kind of gather that the, the the Cybermen were no more. Right, right. Like this was a horrible um, uh, enemy that he was able to defeat, and then going into this parallel universe and seeing them, it's just like, oh my god, I have to do this all over again because they're not easy to defeat. You could see how mm-hmm. how strong they were, how powerful they were. The physical body of these robots, these these shells, are they're strong. They're, they're, uh, relentless. You know, they have, they don't get tired. They will just continue to go and go and go. So with the, uh, with the Dalek, we discovered last, uh, season that, uh, um, you know, they, that, you know, we, we encountered them. Um, we encounter these guys here. These were classic old school villains for Dr. Who. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact that they're coming back. So whatever it was, you know, Doctor Who or the Doctor ends up uh, having the big time war and deals with, you know, like these, they should not exist. They should be gone. And, oh, here they are. You know, that's like that. That's the big scary thing is the, the stuff that scares him, the stuff that kept him up at night, um, the stuff that he sacrificed a great deal to rid the universe of. And they keep coming back. Yeah, he sacrificed his own people. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he sacrificed his own people, and yet the Dalek returned. And here we are seeing the the return of the Cybermen, or the the genesis of this alternate universe version of the Cybermen. Yeah. Uh, now. The, this may be just an inconsistency created by you know the the drive to um, heighten the emotions, but you know Rose and her father go off 
to try to find the mom who was being mind controlled by the ear pods. And ultimately, when they do find her, she has already succumbed and she has been turned into a Cyberman. Right. But according to what we have known, the, she shouldn't have had any awareness. And yet she she says it as a Cyberman. I was um, Jackie Tyler. Uh, Jackie Tyler. Right. So how is that, you know, how is that different than, you know, ultimately um, what happens at the end of the episode when they're all sort of given other than being overwhelmed by emotion? Like if she's aware of who she was, why, you know, why doesn't that destroy her? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I'm going to have to hypothesize for an answer because I don't know exactly. You know, that's when I saw that. Um, I kind of want to go back and check, like, the, what was going on at the same time. You know, was there something that? Because um, I know they triggered a little bit of something um, up in the dirigible, I believe. That right before well, they, that, they, so they hadn't really done anything. Uh, to to infuse the, the the rest of the Cybermen with anything, it just to me it seems like a pseudo plot hole created by the idea that you had to give these two characters the you had to show these two characters that they had failed at their mission, yeah. uh, and short of showing Jackie's body get dismembered and turned into a Cyberman this was going to be the only way that was going to happen is a, a cyberman would have to identify themselves and say, Oh, I recognize you. Cause I used to be your wife. Right. Um, so I, I understand sort of the reason we get there, but then it seems to create a plot hole in that if you are, if, if she retains her awareness of who she was, mm. Even well, we if haven't emotion, seen anybody else correct who they were, but but even if you take all emotion out of it and she retains her awareness, but her emotions are stripped away, that still would create this paradox in your brain, right? Because you were this other person, so you would have if you remember who you were you would, in theory, remember all the other things you felt. Right. And thus it would create the, the, the paradox that, all, that, that ends up getting created by the emotion chip being activated yeah. later in the uh, episode. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't have a good answer. Unless Jackie in this universe is such a horrible person and she right. certainly came out that way because she um, – just lashed out granted she was in a bit of a vulnerable position and hearing the you know a waitress at her birthday party uh telling her all these great things about her husband she's probably looking it's like you don't have any right as the help to uh tell me about my, my you know my relationship you're not here to give me advice you're not here to do anything except serve up canapes um you know little shrimp things and, uh, you know, you are overstepping your bounds and, you know, are you sleeping with my soon to be ex-husband? You know, that's the kind of thing that she would automatically be assuming. It's like, how dare this little gold digger come in here and try to, you know, 
befriend me. What is what she trying to gain out of this? Well, this is not it, right. It, it, I, to me, that came off very much as a um, a class situation, which you know, in, in England, that's a big thing. Right, and oh, there's you know, Rose is talking to her as if she's her mom, and Jackie is looking at her as as if she's just the help. Like right. you don't you don't get to have this conversation with me. You're just the help. When you were consoling me, I was indulging it because you were consoling me. The moment you try to give me advice. Who the heck do you think you are? Now you're not going to get paid, you know? <laughs> right. You know, and being paid is the least of the concern, you know, because she is aware of the relationship that, and she fell into that, you know, this is my mom. It's like, it's not your mother. You know, that's the, something mm-hmm. the doctor had to say over and over again. This is not your father. This is not your mother. This, these are totally different people and you cannot attach yourself to them emotionally Even though they look like the people you know, they are not the people you know. They don't know you. Mm -hmm. Well, and speaking of that, we we see uh, Ricky and Mickey go Mm -hmm. off and their own little side adventure, Uh, and ultimately we see uh, Ricky is uh, destroyed by the Cybermen. Yeah, and Mickey is faced with this sort of horrible feeling uh and ultimately you know he he seems to step up and he seems to sort of take up the the fight for both of them right uh and he you know he really does uh step up in this episode uh and and in a very funny way you know he he does what is needed and then he starts sort of snooping in on oh look i can uh, i've got video of what's happening why are they there oh can i pull up the audio and then the doctor sort of acknowledging the fact that mickey would probably be able to get the to the situation where he was and start in you know in implying this is what you need to do mickey to help us in this yeah. situation come on mickey uh, the idiot <laughs> right uh, and and in the in the first time where i did not take umbrage when he was called that you know mickey does step up and he you know he does what needs to be done uh, as he's done before in uh, in war war 3 uh, and aliens of london you know mickey begrudgingly and scaredly steps up and does what the doctor asks him to. And here he steps up because that's the right thing to do. And he gets, you know, he, he does exactly what he told the doctor he was going to be able to do. And then on top of it, he saves them as well. Yeah. I think, um, this is kind of what I was alluding to last week. You know, this Mm -hmm. is the chance for Mickey to, take on the responsibilities that Ricky had done the uh, you know the, the maturity the um, like this the self-confidence he is moving past that codependent um, I've got you know I want to cling to Rose I want to be more than a third wheel I just want you know I want my life back I want it to be normal thing that he had been doing for the last uh, season and a half. Yeah, I want to be more than the tin dog. He yeah, said exactly. Because that's it. You've got the sidekicks. You got the people who do things, and then you've got canine. You know, <laughs> and canine's useful, but he's not a big part of the group. You know, and that's the thing. Mickey was useful, but he wasn't a big part of the doctor or in this in the, at this point Rose's life. 
you know, he just kept being like, when you hang out with your ex and her new boyfriend, you mm-hmm. know, or your, or her new husband or whatnot, that's awkward. You know, why are you hanging out with this person who broke your heart and found somebody else? But, you know, you got to hang out with a doctor, but this is not a great, uh, not a great position to be in. And by stepping up, he becomes able to start taking control of things to be able to take control of what his life is and able to define himself as not just Rose's boyfriend, Mm -hmm. not just that sad, lonely kid who's lost everything else and is losing this too. You know, he's, he can take control and that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, that's what we needed to see. It it, it was fantastic to see him step up. Uh, And it was great to see how emotional it made Rose feel and how proud it made the doctor feel. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. His kind of his, you know, the tough love of just beating on Mickey, you know, the Mickey, the idiot and all the other stuff. Um, like you have so much more in you, but you don't let yourself see it. Let's see it. Mm-hmm. Fight back. Yeah, you don't. Fight you don't need back. to be holding. Yeah, and it, and it's almost like Rose was the crutch. Rose was the you know, and and it's a it's part of the story that is laid out for him uh, in series one. Uh, you know, we see him as a little kid running away from one of the Reapers again in, in the episode Father's Day. And, you know, there's a joke made that he imprinted on Rose. Uh, But, you know, he was definitely sort of stuck in that, you know, I I am Rose's boyfriend uh, and Rose is my entire world. Uh, And he even says that to her uh, in the episode uh, Boomtown uh, where, you know, it's like you tell me where to go or where to wait for you and I will do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it is abundantly clear that that's exactly how and what he feels for this girl. But and it's not healthy because she doesn't right. feel it for him. And she, you know, well, she's moved on. She's right. you know her her interests have changed, and he hasn't. And and his growth is sort of stunted by that. And here we we see, you know, he he does make that step, which throughout all of series one, he kept sort of uh, avoiding but not wanting to tell Rose about. And he does step up and say, nope, I, I'm ready. I want to go with you guys. And, you know, he, he does go on a, on a few adventures. But ultimately, yeah. you know, he's like, this is clearly where I'm needed. This is where I can claim my place in this universe. Or it, it, not only in this way. version of this universe, but in the you know in the whole scheme of things. So I, I was yeah. very proud of him. Uh, well, he's you know, able I, to go and and uh, right the wrong that he felt he did by letting his grandmother die. And here's this person who does love him unconditionally, who will never have to know that the Ricky is gone. You know, that would just probably crush her completely. So if he steps in and replaces Ricky and is there for her and making her life safer and longer, then that's a great responsibility. At the same mm-hmm. time, going off and uh, helping uh, liberate um, Paris from the Cybermen is a great responsibility. 
Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, so the, both the, uh, the domestic and the world spanning things, but his, his life is now his to do what he needs to do with it, not to be the, uh, the tin dog following around Rose. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I'm very, very pleased for Mickey. And if this is the end of the road for Mickey, I am proud and honored uh, to have shared in that adventure because I, I, I liked ultimately what he did and yeah. what he stood for. Yeah, he, he was a good guy. And what was fun was I did a quick little bit of research um, last week on uh, Noel Clark, the uh, the actor who performed or plays Ricky and Mickey. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a uh, he ended up going into screenwriting. Um, with this episode, you know, or with, not with this episode, but at this same time that he was acting in this stuff, he he started writing, and mm. he became a uh, he's an award winning uh, playwright. Um, you know, hmm. his his career has gone on to other things. He's done movies and uh, stage plays and stuff, and um, he's been in a few other things and even in some important stuff that ended up getting put on the uh ed- or the cutting room floor but you know he's he's kind of impressive you know it's pretty cool he's 45 which i was kind of blown away by he's he's wow. just a little younger than i am but he's uh, my age yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's like okay he just because you see him and he's introduced as a pretty much just you think he's a teenage kid and it's like, well, oh that's my what God, they're supposed was... to be. You know, she's 19. Right. So I assumed he was probably 19 or 20, you well, know, like a year or two ahead of her. Yeah. Well, how old was the little kid version of him when he saw the baby Rose? Well, yeah, I, yeah. I I think they play fast and lose because, you know, they, they in the first series, they kept insinuating how Rose was 19, 19, yeah. 19. Uh, but there's no way that... Uh, uh, Billy Piper was 19 when they were shooting that. You know, well, she doesn't look like a 19 year old. Yeah. Um, and, and there's moments where she certainly doesn't behave like a 19 year old. Uh, so uh, it, it's always been difficult for me to buy into and believe the idea that Rose is as young as they make her out to be in the show. Right. Uh, which is also why I, I always found it difficult to genuinely believe that Mickey was only, you know, a, a few years older than her or the same age and thus still incredibly young, uh-huh. uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but that's never sort of hampered my uh, appreciation for what both of them have brought to their roles. Yeah. But uh, that's that's it for the questions that I had from this episode. It is, uh, in my opinion, it, it if it is the last time we see Mickey, it is definitely a very good send off. I, I hope that is not true. Um, and you know, now that this universe, uh, this alternate universe, has been tapped into, uh, maybe we'll get to revisit it. But that's all I have. Is there anything that I missed in this episode? that will have greater implications moving forward. Oh yeah. There'll be stuff that will uh, have implications and and stuff moving forward. I mean, you can't leave a character like Mickey behind and um, just end it. So, you know, there, Mm -hmm. there's going to be uh, issues, you know, there, there'll be depression. um, There will be, uh, you know, eventual acceptance of stuff. And then, 
you know, things will surprise you. This is, this is still uh, Russell Davies uh, brilliant series and all the, the stuff, the twist that he puts in there. So yeah, you know, expect stuff that you shouldn't expect because it's going to happen. You know, they, they, I, I, can't even tell you about the stuff that will be coming down the road, whether it's this season or series or later. It's just, there's a lot of stuff that, that, uh, that is yet to come. Well, I can't think of a better way to starting this new year, 2021, than by having watched these two episodes and uh, really giving me uh, a lot of excitement for what is to come, uh, both for the year and uh, what is to come in the Doctor Who universe. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me, Eric, for uh, another exciting episode. Hey, thanks for having me back. I wasn't sure if you would after last week. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, just because you can't answer certain questions uh, doesn't mean that I'm not going to have you back. Part of the fun is getting to ask questions that don't have answers and uh, postulating those. Uh, you know, that's what we do here in the sci-fi fandom. We make uh, things up. So <laughs> hey, Russell Davies made it up, so yeah. why not us? Exactly. Uh, but Thank you, dear listener, also for making it to the end of yet another exciting first time, Lord. Uh, we greatly appreciate you uh, visiting our website, firsttimelord.com, where you can find all of our previous episodes and uh, leave comments there. Let us know. Uh, is there anything that uh, you liked about this episode? What What about the Cybermen has you uh, anticipating more? I, I certainly want to see more of the Cybermen. Uh, I, I would even love to see the Cybermen sort of face off against the Doctor with the Daleks uh, sort of being the other threat like that I think that would be exciting but uh, let me know what you think in the comment section of our podcast and also if uh, if you feel like uh, supporting the show you can find me on Patreon or you can find the link to my Patreon page on firsttimelord.com and you can become a subscriber there and any support is greatly appreciated. Heck, even just sharing this show with other Doctor Who fans uh, and letting them know, hey, this is cool podcast that you might want to listen to. All of that is greatly appreciated. So thank you very much for being a part of this uh, experience that I am just so thrilled with. And I can't wait for more. So there's no further things to say than... I got to go watch more Doctor Who. 